Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I love your podcast. This is gold. This is where it's at. What's up? Today, my guest is Rod Crate, author of Get Back Up, a memoir on how to not allow a devastating, life-changing event ruin your quest for a great life. Rod's story is absolutely inspirational, motivational. At age 15, he suffered a broken neck playing high school football, left him paralyzed from the neck down. He went from athlete to quadriplegic in the blink of an eye. Following surgery and extended rehab, and against all odds, he's fortunate enough to walk today. His story is incredible, very, very inspiring, and and absolutely incredible to hear about how he went from athlete to quadriplegic and went on to build an absolutely incredible life and wants to share that. Awesome. Well, Rod, thanks so much for coming on my podcast today. Sure. Really excited to have you on. I reached out, got connected. You wrote a memoir titled Get Back Up, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Before we jump into your story, maybe you can give us the 30,000 foot view about the memoir? Well, it's about my life. It's a motivational type book. You know, I talk about how, um, you know, I broke my neck playing high school football when I was 15 years old, paralyzed from the neck down for a while, just got very fortunate after being told I was probably never going to walk again. Movement started coming back, feelings started coming back. And I was actually, after about three months of being hospitalized and in the, uh, in the rehab facility, I walked out of there and then, you know, kind of just plugged right back into my life, college, law school. I've been an attorney now for 29 years. And so the book is about my life, about living a life as a physically disabled person. And, you know, that what's that all about? And, you know, I kind of, then I, I, I end the book with, with my kind of, these are my thoughts on how to live your best life. I love that. So let's jump into that a little bit. So at age 15, you suffered a broken neck playing high school football. Right. You know, I take it you're, you were playing football plenty of years before then, right? Yeah. I mean, I was a pretty good athlete. Back then, high school where I was, and this was in North Carolina. I was in, you know, I went to South Stokes High. In Walnut Cove, North Carolina, which is just north of north of Winston Salem. So I'd finished my junior high. Junior high was seventh, eighth, and ninth. Finished that. I was the quarterback on the football team. You know, did really well on the basketball team. Played baseball, ran track some, and so I was. You know, coming into high school, I was fairly kind of a big deal. Yes, although it's kind of funny to come to think of yourself as a big deal, you know, but it, I kind of was. So only two sophomores made the varsity. I was one of them. I was the starting free safety and was, um, you know, going to be the starting quarterback as a sophomore, but just hadn't gotten there yet. Um, so, yeah, I was I'm coming into high school as a, as a pretty, pretty good athlete. Got it. Were your dreams of the time to 
pursue sports or pursue football or basketball in college? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was uh, I don't think there would have been any doubt that I would have played probably college football. I don't know at what level, though. I mean, whether I was good enough to play in a power five conference, I just don't know. But I'm pretty sure I would have played at some level. Got it. So you had your eyes set on uh, playing college football. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I'm assuming you're working at this. Most people who pursue sports, you know, seriously, when they're in high school and have their eyes set on playing and on some college level, you know, it's very much, I would say, even the equivalent of like a, a full time job, right? You're, uh, although you're still a student, you're putting a lot of energy, effort into perfecting your performance, being the best athlete you can be. Take us back to the day, I guess, that, you know, you broke your neck. You know, take take us back to that okay. day. Okay, and, and before I get there, and just to kind of follow up on on your the lead into your question, it was, you know, about working hard and, and, you know, how important it was. So when I broke my neck, it was actually in our inner squad scrimmage. What, what, what happens is um, when I went to high school back then, we had what was called football camp where everybody that wants to play varsity football, we check in and we spend the whole week at the, at the high school. Don't go home, sleep there. We practice three times a day, getting ready for the season. But before that, I was at the high school three or four days a week in the summertime. Me, my brother, who also played, who was a year older than me, then, then our other best friend who was a linebacker and fullback, I mean, we were up there for like two hours, two, three hours, three, four times a week, just doing drills, drills, drills. So I mean, by the time football camp hits, I'm in the best shape of my life. But as far as the actual accident itself, so, you know, we're playing the inter-squad scrimmage. So this is the, you know, b- the, the week before the first game. And the starting defense comes out on the field first. But, you know, we're dressed out. We're game uniforms. I mean, this is a big deal. The whole town's there. You know, this is a, I live in a small town, but it, you know, they, you know, football was a big deal. And so coming from junior, I've never played on a field this nice in a stadium this big. I'm kind of hyped up. So there we are. The first string defense is going up against an offense, but you know, back then the best players played both ways. You know, now you've got a separate offense and a separate defense. So a lot of the starters on defense play were starters on offense. Offense, so they kind of had to throw an offense together to, for us to get a look against. And what happened was the starting offensive guard, who was a kid who was probably six three, weighed about two six. He just decided to be fun. He'd, he he went he played tight end for this series because you know he, he never gets to catch the ball and that kind of stuff. Well, the first play is a is a slant to him across the middle. I'm playing free safety. And this big guy comes lumbering out. I'm probably, you know, maybe six feet, 155, 160 pounds, maybe. Well, I see the ball coming. I know I'm not going to get there in time to intercept it. So I'm going to hit this guy as hard as I can to make sure he didn't catch the ball. Mm. And I was successful in doing that. But when I did it, I hit him. I lowered my head too much. I caught him right about the top of his thigh. And when I did it, you know, I just I crushed two vertebrae in my neck badly damaged the spinal cord and then so when I after I hit him though I came to rest face down with my head turned slightly I guess to my right both of my arms were kind of straight up kind of like you know Superman flying or something and I remember you know I mean I remember so clearly even to this day I could see my right arm 
And I, I made that kind of motion of like, all right, I'm going to try to get up, do that in my head. Of course, now that I couldn't feel or do it, move in. And I, I watched my right arm, it just kind of rolled over on the grass. I guess there must have been some nerves or stuff, something left in it. But I didn't feel it happen. You know, my arm looked like it was miles away, although it was only a few inches away. And um, I mean, I can remember just seeing, n- noticing every blade of grass looking through my face mask. And that was it. I mean, I just, there I was. I couldn't move. I'm face down. And I knew something was really badly wrong. Were you in pain or more shock at that point? Well, you know, I don't know if really either. I, I mean, I was in no pain at all. Um, shock, um, you know, I, I didn't, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't really remember being in, in, that much in, in shock either. I just remember lying there thinking, you know, man, this isn't good. Um, but then it does get kind of blurry after that because they come on the field. I mean, thank goodness we had a trainer there that had, he had been a trainer in college football. So he, he kind of knew what to do. They didn't move me. They didn't try to take my helmet off. They, they had one of those, like, it's called a scoop stretcher where they get, they can put it under you and it snaps together. And then they just, they put me in the ambulance and took me down to Winston-Salem to Baptist Hospital. And, I, you know, I don't really remember much about the ambulance drive or I do remember as soon as I got to the hospital and this was Baptist Hospital in Winston-Salem. That's, um, that's Wake Forest Medical School. So Bowman Gray School of Medicine. So it's a good, you know, it's a good place to go um, for this type of treatment. Um, so I went there and I had surgery that night on my neck where they fused um, my fourth and fifth cervical vertebrae together. But I remember right before being put out, I guess they, I, I don't remember them taking the helmet off, but I remember, I mean, just briefly right before the head, I guess before anesthesia hit, I mean, I, I could feel they were, they were screwing two tongs into my skull to keep my head where, where it wouldn't move. And I remember feeling that pressure of these screws going into my skull right before I, I guess they think they got a little ahead of the anesthesia. But then, um, then I woke up the next morning and I had, I had had surgery. Did you know going in, did you know what was going on or you weren't really aware at that point? No, I wasn't aware. I had no idea that I was going to have surgery that night. So next morning you wake up, what then? You know, just lying in the bed. I remember I had one of those big neck brace collars on and they had also fabricated like a piece of plastic to that that went down my chest because they certainly didn't want my neck to move. And I just remember just kind of thinking, you know, God, what, you know, man, what has happened here? You know, my parents were there. I mean, everybody was all upset, of course. You know, I was never, and this is kind of odd, I was never really depressed or down about it. I mean, it was bad, but actually they started <laughs> get, they started giving me like some psychological tests I think after two or three weeks, because I was still kind of always in a good mood. Um, they thought that wasn't normal. As life changing as this was, I never got to that level of being depressed about it. Physically, at that point, what changed for you? Well, I mean, I couldn't move. I was completely paralyzed from the neck down, no feeling, no nothing. And that lasted for probably about about a month. And see, what happened was, you know, I crushed the two vertebrae in my neck badly damaged my spinal cord. And so with the spinal cord, it's, it's bruised. And so I mean, not only is it damaged, it's permanently damaged. But part of the problem too is because of the bruising, it swelled. That was part of, I think, part of the problem because 
So I got on this just heavy dose of steroids to reduce the swelling in the spinal cord. So what happened was as the swelling in the spinal cord went down, although the spinal cord itself was, was is permanently damaged, when the swelling went down, what happened was I think the nerve impulses could get through, but not the way they could. So I started, got to where I could move a little bit. Actually, the first thing I ever moved, I'm laying in there in the bed. It's about 30 days into this. I'm, I'm looking at my feet at the bottom. I go through the motions in my mind of trying to move, like push my feet down. And I saw one of my toes on my left foot, the one right beside my pinky toe, it actually moved a bit, just barely. And like, so here we go. That's the beginning of the comeback. Wow. So when you woke back up and you're lucid again, did the doctors, your family, did anyone tell you what you were going to be expecting your new life would be like? Was there any conversation around how your life might be different now as a result of being paralyzed from the neck down? No. And actually, I don't think I ever had that conversation. I mean, the doctor certainly told me, look, there's no guarantee that you're ever going to walk again. So, I mean, the doctor did not try to candy coat this at all. And this is a significant injury. But I never really had any conversation with my parents about how my life is going to be different. Because, you know, and I think that has a lot to do with kind of what I've been able to do there was no conversation like that early on. And so, you know, after a month in the hospital, two months in rehab, and then I finally get to where I can walk out of rehab. I'm walking out there with those, those big forearm crutches you've probably seen where, you know, the, the metal thing goes around your forearms and you're sitting there, and, you know, you're walking um, with those crutches. And I mean, I remember the day I got discharged, you know, my mom just came to pick me up. I remember walking down the hall I mean, really anticlimactic, no no big party, no big celebration. I get in the car and we drive home. And then a week later, I'm back in school. But I think the point there was that, look, man, this, as bad as this is, this part of your life is over and you've got to, there's not going to be any difference. You're not going to walk normally again. You're not going to play sports again. But otherwise, you're going to plug back into life again and do everything that you have been doing. So that was kind of the expectation that was set for me. There was no, no pity party, no, oh, poor Rod. He's, you know, he was this great athlete and things were going so well in his life. And, oh, wow. And now it's just, oh, it's so bad. It, it wasn't like that. It was, hey, man, it's, not, it's time to get going. Mm. What's it like to be 15 years old and you have, you know, your whole, I don't recall exactly what you said at the beginning of the show, but you know, like you're a sophomore, you're playing on the, on the varsity football team. It's a big deal. You have this dream of pursuing football, at least on a college level. And it seems like you're well on your way to achieve that. And then you hear a doctor tell you, not sugarcoating it, very bluntly telling you, hey, Rod, you, you may never walk again. I mean, did anything go through your mind at that point? Or did you really just shift to this state of, these are sort of the cards that I've been dealt and I'm going to continue to live my life? I really just shifted to that stage. And I'll and I tell you, I think, why? I think it's because I was only 15 years old. I don't think the 15-year-old brain really understands the magnitude. I think if I were 25 years old or say 20 and I was already playing college football and then this happened, I might have taken a whole different turn. But I think being that young, honestly, I was just happy to get back to high school and try to start to put my life back together again. 
I think this happened like August, maybe 11 or 12, back in 1981. I was in the hospital or rehab. I didn't go, not go to high school until the Monday after the Thanksgiving break. That's the first time. And I was just excited to get back and um, start trying to live somewhat of a normal life again. And I'll tell you what's interesting is I kind of plugged right back in. My friends didn't treat me any differently. My brother was just a year older than me. So same friends. I mean, God, I even had the same girlfriend that I had before. And we dated throughout high school. And I always made good grades before this. And so I, and I kept that. I actually got graduated valedictorian from my high school, you know, senior class president, and all that kind of stuff. And I was just trying to be as live a normal life as possible, not a normal life for a physically disabled or handicapped person or whatever you want to call it. My drive is to do everything I wanted to do in life other than obviously I can't play sports. Mm. I read that you were fortunate enough to walk again. What was that recovery process like for you to get to that point? I mean, especially, you know, after hearing a doctor say, hey, Rod, you may never walk again. I can tell you, you take it in small increments. The very first thing that I did was, I mean, you know, being in bed so long that I guess your blood, you know, when you start sitting up, you know, your brain's not used to it. And so what first thing they did was they put me on a table that would then automatically or mechanically start inclining. So your head would come up. And I mean, it was just a great day. If I could get to 45 degrees without my without getting dizzy and nauseous. I mean, that's that's how all this stuff starts. And then you get to where you actually can be upright. And then I remember the first I mean, once we got into the rehab after a couple of days down there, you know, they got me up. I mean, I got in between two parallel bars, probably about five physical therapists around me. I had long leg braces on. They actually put a like a boot on my left, no, on my right foot that was elevated because it was harder for me to lift my left leg than my right. Unless my right was elevated, I could not have swung my left leg through to take a step. And I mean, it started, you know, maybe two or three steps the first day and sat down. And then we just kept going and kept going. And we did, you know, leg presses. I remember getting on that leg press machine and doing doing those. And it was just, I was kind of pulling from what I'm used to doing as far as working out for football. And I took that into the rehab room. So I just worked as hard as I could to get to the point to where I could walk. Where would you say your motivation came from to get back up and to get back to just living a normal life? I think it is... My first 15 years of life were absolutely spectacular. Everything, you know, I did well in school. I did well in sports. I mean, everything was great. And that confidence that you build in those first 15, in that first 15 years, just because you had this horrible injury, that doesn't just leave your body. I mean, you're, you're still that person in your mind, even though everything's completely different, at least physically. And so I think the motivation is I'm still the same person and I was very successful in most everything I did in those first 15 years. So my motivation was I'm going to keep doing this. I'm not going to just, I'm not going to roll over and feel sorry for myself. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to keep on. And so that, that I think, I think it's just having the, the early success and the, the confidence that I had, I was not going to become some different person who was not going to be successful. Mm. I'm always fascinated by that because at some point, I think in everyone's life, people do 
and will face adversity. You know, it might not happen for the first 20 years. In my case, I lost both my parents by the age of 25, my dad at 20, my mom at 25. But I think that at some point in everyone's life, people and individuals do face adversity. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. But I really am always so fascinated by people that make that conscious choice and are able to get over something that really is a tragedy, that really is so significant in their loss and are able to take what they've experienced and be able to move forward. Because, you know, in some ways, life does go on. But in many ways, for a lot of people, life is put on a pause after something horrific, tragic, difficult. And there are a lot of people like you who are able to take this difficult circumstance and move forward in their life as a result. But a lot of people, you know, struggle to to navigate life after something so difficult. So I guess I'm, I'm curious, like, is there anything that you would tell those people or for you, I guess, in your case, beyond just having that motivation to continually live a normal life and be successful? And it sounds like you were really committed to continually living this life of success. I'm sure there were several difficult days. I mean, even just getting on that machine every day to strengthen your legs, etc. I don't want to speak for you, but I imagine that that's difficult. You know, just sitting on that machine every day, your mind can take you to a lot of different places. I'm just curious, how did you deal with those bad days, I guess? And let me take you back a minute. And here, here's, this was a bad day. This is before I went to rehab. I'm in the hospital. I still can't really move anything. But I think maybe some feelings started coming back. I saw myself for the first time in the mirror. My face was swollen because of the steroids. I had this horrible, this horrendous steroid-induced acne. My head was shaved for the surgery. And I was just like, what I saw in the mirror was absolutely, like, I didn't even think that was me. So that, I kind of got a little down about that. And then, you know, I'd become friends with one of the male nurses there. And he was kind of playing around, you know, back then. And that's another thing that, I mean, we don't really need to talk too much about, but I don't mind. But, you know, one thing about being paralyzed is, you know, you is your control over your bladder and your bowels. You know, I was being catheterized for a long time, but then at this point I could, I could actually use the bathroom on my own. So, cause I had, I, I had peed in a urinal. Well, I, this male nurse thought it was one of those urinals that actually had the flow that wouldn't let it come back out. So he thought it'd be fun just to, to, to do a play a joke and like act like he's throwing it on me. Well, it, it wasn't one of those catheters. So this pee goes all over me. And so I'm just seeing myself for the first time. It just all came crashing down. And later on that night, I did. I broke down and I wept for about five minutes. I asked my mom, why did this happen to me? And I think she was almost somewhat relieved that I finally kind of broke down like this. So, that, I mean, that was a bad day, but that was it. After that day, I, I never looked back again. And it might be good to at least, you don't want to wallow in the self-pity and the why me, but I think it's okay to at least you know, you got to come to grips with this. Mm. And I think it would be odd to never have a depressed day or a down day where you, you got to think, all right, shit, it's all, it's different now. I mean, it's all different. So where are we going to go with it? But really, and then to circle back there to answer your question on, you know, what could you, what, like, what advice, what could you tell people are going through this to keep going? And, And the tough part about that is this isn't a one size fits all everybody's mentally is coming from a different place. Like I'm coming from, I came from a place of confidence. Some people, I mean, think about it. Some people are not coming from a place of confidence. And then when they have something bad happen to them, 
I mean, God, it's, it's got to be even harder to pull through it. Mm. You know, so I was I was kind of fortunate that, that I, I was in that place, you know, mentally. This is, I think, what is the mindset you've got to have. I don't care, you know, what it is, where your position is in life, how how bad your adversity is, how many times you've faced adversity, because it's usually, it's, it's, God, it's not just one time, you know, that it's, <laughs> it, it can be more than once. But at least what I do is you got to realize this is it. You have one life. This, this is it. You don't get a second go at this. And as bad as things are or might be, this is your life. I mean, it, yeah, it's too bad. It's too bad things didn't work out the way you wanted them to. It's too bad something really crappy happened to you and you had such a bad hand dealt to you. But so what are you going to do? You can fold up and feel sorry for yourself. But I mean, is that how you want to spend your life? I mean, you're one go. I mean, this is it. And um, that's kind of what keeps me going is I, I want to live the absolute best life I can. I want to have the I want to have fun. I want to be successful. And the way you got to do that is you got to show up every day. You know, you got to I get up at 430 every morning and I go work at the gym and I'm, I come to work every day. I, I'm a lawyer. I go try cases. You know, I, I mean, I, there's no telling what the jury thinks when I walk into a courtroom because I mean, I walk with the cane. but. But it's not just kind of a little limp. I mean, it's I mean, I've got paralysis still from the neck down. My gate, it's not a pretty gate, but, you know, you just go do it. You, you know, in spite of your situation, you got to keep living your life and you got to figure out how you can live your best life. Mm, I love that. Very inspirational and very, you know, much aligned with a lot of the messaging that we share on the show. I always say asking why isn't the right question. You know, you can't control when bad things happen to you. The only thing you can control is what you're going to do now as a result of the circumstances you've been put in. But did you ever think like, why me or why this happened to me? If I did, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it. I mean, other than that one day when I kind of had my breakdown, Mm. I certainly wouldn't think, and I don't think anybody should think when something bad happens to them that they deserved it or that they've done something in the past to deserve their misfortune. You know, things happen. You know, I lowered my head too much when I made a tackle. I mean, it's, I wasn't trying to spear the guy. I just, I was, yeah. you know, I, I just used a, you know, to, I was kind of jacked up and I, I, I lowered my head too much. I mean, you know, somebody is in a car wreck and, or motorcycle accident and say they're a paraplegic for the rest of their life. I mean, I, you know, I don't think you deserve any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel, I guess, that this shaped your life? Like, do you feel today, you know, now you have many years of wisdom and do you feel like you're a different person today as a result of what you lived through? Well, I can tell you, I'm still the same person that was the 15-year-old kid when it comes to my zest and zeal for life and wanting to be successful. No doubt about that. But yeah, when looking back on it, I mean, and it just and just what I go through now, I, I plateaued. I mean, I got to the as as good as I was going to get. I mean, shortly. I mean, you know, when I got back to school, you know, by spring of my sophomore year, you know, I wasn't even using the cane. I was, but I mean, my gait wasn't pretty, but I didn't need it. I didn't need it to balance, and I I was able to do all that stuff. I started using the cane when I went off to college. Just you know, my mom suggested, well, you may want to do that. So, I, and, and I did, and that, and that was fine. But now, I mean, I can tell you over the last, I don't know, four or five years, you know, I'm 54 now. 
And it's just, you know, when you get older, things get tougher. And, you know, I'm, I'm really, you know, just walking, getting into things, going to places that are a lot, lot harder than they used to be. And so when you look back on things, you know, I think when you've gone through something like this, you might get a little philosophical on life where you don't let those kind of the small things in life get to you like like maybe some other people do, because you know that, you know, you're fortunate to be where you are. It could have been so much worse. I could have been in a wheelchair the rest of my life. And so, you know, the way I look at it, I mean, life is actually quite enjoyable and you know and just looking back on it yeah it could it, it may could have been better but you know it, hell, it could have been worse you know something because of this path i was i got on i may have gone down another path that may have who knows may may have been worse than than where i am but uh, mm. i just think you got to look at your life and just you know like i said you know this is the one you got Let, let's make it let's make it great mm, i love that absolutely Absolutely. You're really focused on helping now inspire people to go out there and build their dream life. So with that, I suppose we can start to wrap up the show. One question I'd love to ask all my guests is, you know, knowing that life is tough, knowing that life is difficult, what would be your advice to someone on how to build a life they love and how to build their dream life? Well, I think that, well, first of all, you know, I've never really been a goal setter. I I think you people are better off if they do set goals. I just, <laughs> I just started going and I, I didn't even really think about it. I didn't even think about why I was going to become a lawyer. I just did. Um, and I just went on, went on. I, I don't sit there and anguish about, man, well, this, is this the thing to do? Or is this the thing to do where I don't overanalyze things? But I, w- I would suggest that I would set goals. I mean, but figure out what you want to do. I mean, what, what makes you happy? Is it money? Is it, is it relationships? I mean, is it, you know, do you want to help other people? Um, you know, what, what do you want to do with your life? And then I think you just got to figure that out, you know, try different things, you know, you know, you got to fail, do things, fail, learn from it. Just, but just keep moving on. Just, you know, always, always moving forward, you know, just, and, you know, just because you have some one really big, bad adversity that hits your life, that doesn't mean you're not going to have any more. God, I've, I mean, I've, I've done things, I've failed, I've learned from them. I, I guess the best advice I could give anybody, though, is, you know, you got to be able to laugh at yourself. If you take yourself too seriously, I think you're just destined for failure because, because if you take yourself so seriously, when you make mistakes, I don't think you really learn from them. It's almost like you, you blame other, other people for that happening instead of realizing that, hey, you know what, maybe maybe I made the mistake here and how can I not do this again? It, and it's just a mindset of, you know, life is great and I want to have the best life I can, but I'm not going to be so uptight about things that I can't laugh at myself when I make mistakes or do stupid things. And, you know, it's just all about moving forward and, and doing the best you can. Mm, I love that. Well, Rod, thank you uh, so much for coming on the show today. You're an inspiration. Very excited to share your story with the world. Where can people get a hold of you or find out more about your book? Yeah, well, my book is it's called Get Back Up, and it's on Amazon. That's where you can get it. But and, and, you know, we talked off the air. Um, I've got my own podcast that I just started back in 2020, and it's it's called Rocket Motivation. 
Um, it's on, you know, just like yours, I'm sure it's on, you know, Spotify, Apple, every, you know, everywhere you can get podcasts. And on that, you know, I do, you know, kind of like what you're doing is I, I, I get guests on that have, have gone through adversity and I, I let them tell their stories and let them give advice to the listeners like what you're doing on your podcast. You know, when you write a book about yourself, you know, one thing you're required to do is talk about yourself in your book. It's hard to not talk about yourself when you're writing a, a especially a motivational book. But that was really kind of hard for me to do because I've never been a, hey, look at me. Wow, look, look what I've been able to accomplish, even though I'm physically disabled. That's not kind of the way I've gone through life. I've kind of just done things in spite of that. And I usually keep kind of keep things to myself. So the podcast is great because other people can tell their stories and I can chime in when necessary. But and you know, it is it's 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 great having podcasts like this because, you know, just like you, I'm sure I you know, I get motivated by my guests. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I want people to listen to other people's stories because here's the one thing. You know, you can always say, Oh man, here's my advice. Just don't ever quit. Just keep going. Don't ever quit. Well, I mean, that's an easy thing to say, but for somebody to actually listen to that, they got to put it into practice. And I think the best way they can do it is to listen to as many stories of people that didn't quit and, you know, use their examples. I love that. Well, Rod, thank you again for coming on the show. This is a lot of fun. Excited to share your story with the world. Well, Dan, thanks so much for having me, man. It's been my pleasure. Awesome. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Bits of Gold podcast. If you like this episode, please take a minute, share with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It will mean the world. New episode dropping this Monday. Have an amazing, amazing week. I love your podcast. This is gold. This is where it's at. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 